the problem with getting a tech founder is that you don't have a lot of tech founders as your friends, right? How do you meet organically? As an entrepreneur, you probably have to do everything from designing a logo to deciding the font. Sometimes you've got to ask, do I need that office? Am I doing this office because I want people to get an impression about me? Startup propaganda, which is driven from San Francisco and the whole Y Combinator. I think we've got to tear that thing out. Hustle culture, you've got to code, you've got to do this. Why? Welcome to the Young Leader Podcast. We'll be showcasing the very best business owners and thought leaders within the YP Club. We'll be delving deep into strategies on how to scale your business the things they don't tell you about their industries, and the struggles of scaling a business right here in the Middle East. Hello and welcome back to the Young Leader Podcast. Today, we have a very interesting guest. His name is Abdul Fazal. He is a member of the YP Club. He is essentially a young leader given his role in founding a company called Cosmere Group, which he founded actually after his uh, long spell with Ernst & Young, which is uh, one of the big four accounting firms, which I also worked in. We speak a lot about the involvement and the influences the corporate world has on you as a founder. I think something that's really important to note is your training and your experience before finding a company can have a big impact on your operations and how you approach your business. Not only is he the founder of Cosmere Group, which is effectively a cost optimization company, he also has founded recently a company called Passi. Passi is a technology which tries to replicate what you might find in Zero. What he has found is that there are a lot of people within, uh, within Dubai, these micro nano companies, which are, for a lack of better expression, maybe financially illiterate, I might find it quite difficult to create these charts of accounts, the balance sheet, the income statement. And he has created a product which really just simplifies the overall process. I'm sure you'll take a lot of value from this conversation. The journey that Fazal himself has been on from uh, childhood in South India to uh, eventually going into and working as a director anyway, and now running a company which has 85 employees. Is that better? So you're quite an interesting character. Um, one of the things that I really want to get into is the evolution of you as an individual, going all the way back to your childhood, what that was like, what the environment was like, where you were, you know, the kind of family environment. You spoke a little bit about your, um, your dad and your granddad and stuff, keen to get into that and the influences on you as an individual. And then I guess evolving that into the big four, the big four life, as we both know very well. And then the journey as an entrepreneur will kind of trigger the move from big four into that. So I guess um, I'll start with your childhood, the kind of who, where did you take inspiration from as a child? And what, what did that really look like for you? Uh, thanks, Cam. Uh, so I grew up in a family of doctors and educators. Uh, my granddad, who I've not had a pleasure of knowing, uh, was somebody who set up one of uh, India's largest educational NGOs, right? So he was a doctor, he spent time in Edinburgh and he came back, you know, to serve his, uh, back to his hometown. And then uh, other than being a doctor and setting up a hospital and all of that, he went ahead and created a large NGO. I think we've got around 100,000 students 
in the NGO. It, it is quite yeah. large. It uh, spans everything from uh, uh, like your basic uh, nursery to engineering, dental, medical, and all of that. But uh, so this is uh, purely a nonprofit, obviously not uh, taxed by the government and all of that. And currently, uh, my dad, who is again a doctor, is okay. is running is, is the president of that organization. And then it's a large organization with a large number of members. You can just join if you are uh, interested. And uh, so this is the kind of legacy that uh, I grew up with. Uh, um, you know, and uh, going to my dad, like he is what you call as an intellectual, right? So I grew up in a in a home which I think has around five, six thousand books, physical books, not okay. your Kindle, Audible kind of. So um, you, so the, the environment was that you know we literally knew everything. Mm-hmm. You knew World War about World War Churchill. You know, I could. I could talk about Mussolini's speech right now, the black shirts, right? Because it's something that I grew up with, right? Yeah. And then I, I always joke when he comes to the bookshops in Dubai, he's the only guy who's in the the World War II book section. So I've been to the battlefields of El Amin. I've been to the Doncaster air bases in the UK. I've seen all of those. Uh, been on the Spitfire, you know, and all of that. So... Um, so it's it is kind of a very interesting environment uh, where it was a doctors, it was educators. There was uh, always a larger view of uh, doing something, and it it was an interesting this thing. But uh, I, I don't know what it is. They felt that I didn't have enough discipline. Me and my brother, we were shipped to uh, a boarding school. <laughs> I can see that this <laughs> boarding school. Uh, you know, I think when we were eight, and then I yeah. grew up in a uh, in a boarding school, whose warden was uh, from a military background, right? And then that kind of, you know, bought a certain set of values. Where, where was the boarding school? It, it was in Cochin. Okay, <laughs> it was in Cochin, but okay. it it pretty close to where I stay. But then, you know, I think we grew up in a boarding school. Uh, I think it was great. Because, uh, you know, you land there, you, you meet so many different kind of people, personalities, you know, who, you know, who don't know who you are and who don't care who you are also. And then uh, it kind of drives your whole thinking process. And uh, I mean, it, it was an interesting. So I went all, you know, through a boarding school. I always joke that I left at eight years and I never, I've, I've still not been back home. <laughs> right? So how long were you in boarding school for then? Yeah, so... The entire all school, all like, the way you know, through until yeah, yeah, all the what, way. What what does that look in, in terms of age in India? What, when do you finish school? And, I think the, eight, eight to fifteen, or right. I'm, I'm just trying to, um, yeah, eight, eight, eight. So the entire schooling, right? Okay. So you go your entire schooling. You go from like a like a child to okay. all the way to what you call as a young adult. And you studied the university there as well. Uh, then yeah, I went to university. Same then area. you know, and then. Um, Obviously, we went to, I, I, I did my uh, MSc and uh, MBN all in London, in, uh, in City, which is basically a finance, uh, what do you say, hub. And from there, I spent a very short period working with Nationwide. Okay. Do you know the... Yeah, I know the bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know them. Yeah, and then I... I building society, right? Yeah. yeah. In building society. So I, I was just doing those basic, okay. you know what I mean, right? And then... Then joined EY as an intern and then, you know, spent 
I think a good nine years there. Okay. And uh, so you know, you start an audit, and then you kind of move on to you do all yeah. the boring uh, work, and then we moved on to what you call as a capital projects advisory, where yeah. you work on a lot of different areas with regard to the large construction projects here. So I've been sure. to, I've been involved in, you know, if if there's a large project here, government project, you've been involved. I've in been involved point. in some form or other from running bid rooms as something as like you know managing a bid room yeah to reviewing contracts worth billions of dollars mm-hmm. to reviewing uh, revenue plans to you know so the whole i mean i, I don't want you know what it is right yeah, the whole yeah. nine yards in terms of uh, this one i'll i'll take it back yeah. uh, you've given a really good synopsis there of kind sure. of really quickly rattling through um sums of your life but i just want to go back to the childhood thing and one of the things that you mentioned was discipline right? So are you one of two? Is it just you and your? No, we're three. We're three boys. Three, okay. Yeah. Um, and so, like, your dad take took a really good big interest in like the World War Two and stuff like that. And you mentioned the boarding school had like uh, the person running it was a military presence, right? Yeah. So, so was your dad somebody that was very very keen on discipline, order, and stuff like that? No, no, nothing, nothing of that sort. I think more actually thinking about it, chaotic. I mean, he's. He is quite chaotic, quite chaotic, yeah. quite chaotic yeah. right? And then he would be somebody like, let's say we've got, and right now you're telling me, hey, you've got to speak like that, he's got to speak like that. He would just tear the entire, uh, you know, plan and then he would just go about doing uh, this thing. But uh, I-, I don't know why <laughs> specifically sent to a boarding school, but uh, it had nothing to do specifically with discipline, okay. right? I mean, I would I would say he's a genius in, mm-hmm. in uh, you know, so they, there are some eccentric cities that come with geniuses yeah. right so 100%. yeah what what's your kind of overarching opinion around legacy and you know is business something that you've gone into we'll come on to your businesses but just because this is coming to my mind does the word legacy this is legacy? a super question in terms of so what happens is so we ended up being professionals running the organization mm-hmm. was one thing but then we were all professionals right so we went on to become a professional so so uh, at that point of time i just decided that i just needed to get out do something of my own i wanted to just do more than just being a a corporate employee right have i achieved that thing that i wanted to do more and do more services and create something not yet but then i would like to believe at least there is an x amount of families currently dependent on me today Mm -hmm. i want to be in a space of creation more than you know there's no way that you can fight that legacy, right? What happens to a lot of those people who come after this large legacy, you know, not not the business legacies which are passed on, right? The the other legacies, right? Like political legacies and all that. It's it's it, it's stupid to fight it. I got out because I got an opportunity to build out a hospital, mm-hmm. right? As part of a team, and I I jumped on it, not really uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and ensuring the ink dried. So obviously, right? Not a well thought out move that that kind of felt through after some time, right? And then, by the time being any Indian, right, what do we do well? Any guesses, what do we do well? Um, I would say Indian people are very focused, though. They're one of the things, like, when they have a goal in mind, they, they will work their ass off to achieve it. That's um, there. But Another also, thing. we did speak about food, so I don't know if you went into <laughs> no, food no, no. <laughs> Cost. Cost, okay. <laughs> That's true as well. Food, cost, and hustle. Yeah, so <laughs> cost, right? So then I went ahead and... Uh, got into outsourcing like it just felt like oh, like a very simple basic kind of stuff like yeah. that, okay it's more costly here let me do that so if you if you notice right 
uh, world across, we are the largest traders, we are the largest, it's, it's all a cost arbitrage game, right? You're like kind 100%, of. 100%, yeah. So I also got into a business like that. Was it essentially driven by a large vision there? It is, no, it is just driven by, okay, this is something that I can do. And then it went from there. One of the things that I've realized at the moment for like the average male is all this pressure around being an entrepreneur, right? And I'm sure if you go on Instagram and all these different social media channels, it's like, you're not a real man if you don't own your own business. Or, have you I've seen Absolutely this? wrong. You know what? I've kind of got to dispute that entire thing. Especially, I think I did mention to you, the whole startup propaganda, mm. which is driven, I think, from San Francisco and the whole Y Combinator. Yeah. I think we've got to, we've got to tear that thing out, mm -hmm. right? Hustle. The hustle uh, culture. Hustle culture. You've got to code. You've got to do this. Why? I think, you know, especially now when you go to the start of this thing, they ask you, what's the differentiation? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. If you are looking at scaling, scaling, hyperscaling across, right? So you were mentioning regarding the meat business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was mentioning regarding number of people who are just supplying things from one place to another. These are good businesses too. They don't have differentiation. Is your meat predominantly much different from the other meat? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Probably yes. not. And um, have you built a certain brand around it? Some people do. A lot of successful people don't. It's just that you know to reach the buyer and there's a sustainable business there, right? And I think with regard to entrepreneurship, when they're talking, a lot of them are talking about the startup, this one. And while building a product that scales and hyperscales is great. We've got to give it to those small business people who are making a good living for themselves. They don't need to get up in the morning and drive seven o'clock. There's there they there are some, you know, talking obviously being Indian, there's a lot of our people who are in these kind of businesses. And I envy them more than uh the startup founders because you you have to go to every startup fest kind of pitch, pitch, yeah. pitch, 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 pitch. While this guy is just going, he's supplying, I don't know, right? I mean uh, there's a friend of mine who's supplying beach bags okay. to recently um, one of those big hotel chains here. He told me the value that he got that product for. In shocked. We're not going to think of that revenue. And it's just beach bags. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's, it's also about thinking, is there a buyer there who's willing to buy your product? Ooh. And can that become a sustainable business? And not Stop. look at this this whole propaganda machine that's fed from Instagram and the Y Combinators of the world and all yeah. of that. Everybody's trying to build these businesses to nine figures and everyone's looking to build the next unicorn and stuff, get the funding, give away equity and really embed themselves in that hustle culture and drive forward their businesses. But there's so many people out there that have got really good businesses that have got really simple operating models and making really good margins and a really good living. If you look at any pitch deck, right, any 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 syntax of a pitch deck, it goes like, what's the problem you're solving? <laughs> right? How is this broken? Problem statement and solution. Yeah, that's how it comes, right? So let's just look at a particular person who's supplying meat to hotels. What problem is he supplying? What is he what is he solving? Just as a demand for for meat, right? That's that's as simple as it right. is. If you move away, would there be somebody else? They would Yeah, somebody else would come into the market or they'd find somebody else that could do it and then they just ramp up their operations because Ultimately, the demand for that meat is That's probably it, quite right? stable. So, so I think it has to now turn and say, 
what's the demand for this mm. can you be sustainable enough right and not all businesses are investable some businesses need not be investable right you you are clocking a healthy profit you're taking care of your expenses and um and i think we've got to start looking into that I think there's this whole view of your well-being and i i met one of uh one of our big four colleagues who is actually uh had a little bit of success in funding right and i met him once while walking by in uh, i hope he doesn't see this <laughs> why are you going to slander him <laughs> no, 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 i'm not going to slander him and then i thought he was doing fantastic because his linkedin was buzzing yeah. he had raised funds and all of that he asked me suddenly genuinely do you sometimes wish that we were back at that consultancy yeah and and i i was i was i was shell shocked at that point mm-hmm. because when he walked away and i was just thinking it is that pressure and then he's he has to constantly be on linkedin and then you know page okay grow and because he's taken funds and all of that i mean we didn't have a deep conversation i felt like yeah. it was just a pressure of having this funds that you know got invested in him and that he has to scale and hyperscale not mm-hmm. take a breath i mean i was super surprised when he he asked me do you wish and i was like yes i do wish especially when i'm taking holidays so just going back to your question i think we glorify it a lot okay and uh, i think working in an environment where you're happy mm-hmm. is underrated do you foresee a situation in the future then in the future with cosmia where you simplify the the structure and focus on no so i stuff? like like you said we do not want to grow beyond a certain because it's a service business right okay and it comes with its own it's not a diminishing margin utility kind of a business every growth comes with its own costs and this one and it is scary in terms of uh, having that that's why i've gotten to passi okay. the whole idea is to productize right so that it's not essentially that we every growth stage doesn't need that equal amount of cost so that okay. your marginal costs drop off so within cosmia if i'm just understanding yeah. everybody really listening because there's a lot of context between yeah yeah um so you started that side off primarily with kind of the cost optimization i think is the right way yeah. of framing it right it's still that it's still that but it started off with engineering that was yeah. kind of built out into a number of different services yeah you have 80 to 85 employees yeah. based there you have uh, a very effective ceo in place which you hopefully want to transition to yeah. ceo yeah. that business is running i guess on its own now and yeah. it has a, obviously a lot of salaries baked into it but it's generating money your your focus now is passive right that, that is that your primary focus yeah so i still run the marketing uh for cosmic and then what happens is being a service business we are also looking to productize certain things sure. it's it's not because anything else is because we want to take the pressure down right have that recurring revenue kind of that you are mentioning so there yeah. there are one or two things and in uh, like a training center that uh we are doing right now a uh, small plugin that we are working on right and uh, but yes predominant focus over the last year and a half has been passi okay i want to build out a brand right and uh, it's a very simple business it is basically i'm productizing finance operations bookkeeping and compliance for really small businesses so when we started off um in spite of being from the finance background i just did not want to look at anything in finance i wanted to get that font right i wanted to uh 
get uh, operations team right. And then we ran lots of those 80, 85 people are run by two ladies okay. who do everything from invoicing to sending couriers to sending offer letters to sending. And a lot of the small businesses run like that. And they're not interested in finances. They, they don't care about finances. They don't, they're not interested in finances. They find it very boring. So this is the team that we want to support. So what happens is that they are essentially, they do it themselves. What happens? Either they do it themselves or they outsource it to some uh, some accounting firm, right, who uses existing, there's a plethora of softwares which are all great to do that. But what we found is because the cost, the, the value is so low that's yeah. given to this, these people are not involved. They don't care about you because you're like numbers that they want to tick off. And uh, you also can't afford to pay more and Plus, you don't want to take it onto yourself also because you just are not interested. So we've productized that. We basically all, we were looking into what is it, right? We collect it into all the data sources, use a bit of machine learning. Obviously, it will build into more into AI and then productize that service, right? There is, it's like a human plus AI kind of concept. What, when we went into the market, what we understood is that so we were focused on trends and we were focused on uh, insights and then when are you going to run out of cash and all of that kind of, we built out all of that, right? And then later what I understood is what they want is sometimes they message you, you send the invoice to, for them. Um, you know, you answer a doubt on corporate tax. You just tell them compliance is done. So we are looking at productizing various of those simple with automations that what we are just doing is we're simplifying it for uh, we're just taking the basic stuff giving it to them the basic way and we're saying that we're not for everybody we're the smallest of guys for the larger guys we are using that as a what do you say like uh, architecture so we're pulling data from that mm. because there will be always certain things that you've not accounted for which they have because they're such large organizations and then our view is human plus AI for peace of mind. That's what we're going for. We're saying yeah. peace of mind, right? You don't need to know anything. Leave it to us. So that's why we built a chatbot. Took some of those questions that they were asking us, I didn't know. Like ESR requirements. So we built out the chatbot more than for the customers for internal answering. So we realized, okay, this is not working out where the customer is calling us and we didn't know the answer. Mm -hmm. We internally developed the chatbot. It's working fantastic. Unless you ask, where to get current, <laughs> which we just, we just did right now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so. Uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a great product. I, I come back and I have to liken it to my situation right sure. now. In terms of revenue numbers, we're not doing crazy figures or anything right now and stuff. But then it goes, I think the conversation we've touched on this, like mm. you want to put the right infrastructure to go to that level, right? So using zero sometimes, I'm like. So we, what we're saying, we, we do integrate with zero. Yeah, but so I, don't no think, I don't think it's necessary to be at that level. I can do and report just as accurately doing everything that I need in Excel. It would take yeah. me half the time and I'd have the output right. That's yeah. the honest opinion. Um, so what we've done in people such as yourself who's just doing an Excel, yeah, just upload your Excel, upload your PDFs, connect your banks, and everything that you would require, the basic things that you require, that's your uh, income, expense, profit, your trends on what's your major expenses, major income, your PL balance sheet cash flow, and 
we also have an in-application communication channel and notifications where we let you know a new, if there's a new VAT rule that applies to you, okay. a new, or you can chat with your account manager. You can send them a receipt saying that, how do I classify this? If So that goes into a queue. And then somebody will answer that who knows it. So it's not just we're leaving with you with a complex software. We are taking ownership, right? Now, is this a service with a, a nice tech product in front? Yes, essentially. But the view is automation, right? But till you go to the market and fully understand what to automate, you, you wouldn't know because you would end up automating the complex stuff. Like... Uh, let me do a cash flow forecast. How many times does a small business do a cash flow forecast? Never really. Not not a small. I do 500k and less. Why would they need to? Yeah, so All I'm, they care about is balance and month, payments to make, have I got money, move on for the for the And then um, the problem is doing surveys. Is you end up doing surveys. And surveys are essentially answered by you know guys who are more on queue, right? And then... And it's like asking them, do you want a gym in your building? And they would tell you, yes, I would want it. But will they ever use it? Never. But the answer to that will always be yes. And then you end up building it. So similarly, I'd done surveys and everybody said, Zoho, XYZ and everything. Yeah, it's great. But then they don't help me with planning cash flow. And I'm like, one, they do. <laughs> Two, yeah. we build out we build out a nice tool and then we... Re- that, that, there's been some epiphany of this thing. And then I also realized, you do all of this. How much time does Zoho, Zero, or QuickBooks require to pull together a group of 50 engineers and ask them to work for one month and uh, crack your product? Nothing. So that's why we're getting into a space where they would never get in. We are actually um, a tech-powered service firm more than anything else that is focusing on... Uh, yes, but... Tech is the way in which we reduce our service hours and make it profitable for us. Yeah. So you spoke then about surveys, and I think this is an interesting thing. I really like the the metaphor that you use there with with the gyms because it's it's very true, right? And even when I'm looking for apartments and stuff, I I like to know the facilities are there. But I'm even guilty for just probably not even using my own facilities in the building. But I will look actively to make sure that they're they're there, right? Um, gym and hotels, gym and buildings. Yeah, you would not go to both the places with with doesn't. But you like to know they're there, though. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's strange. yeah, but then you, I, I know for a fact you use another gym. Yeah, I use another okay. gym. I gym almost every day, right? Yeah. Um, how how do you get around that then? Because you, you you've had a lot of different businesses, and how how do you put get your finger on the pulse with your consumer? Is there a, without doing the surveys and second guessing the opinion? That that that's I'm. Um, uh, I mean, this is, you do, I'm not saying don't do the surveys. I've yeah. done the surveys and I'm saying where the surveys misled us. Okay. And I think, especially in Dubai, I'm talking about the last version of Passy. Mm-hmm. Especially in Dubai, everything is beautiful, right? Yeah. Your building is beautiful. Your coffee is beautiful. Cars are beautiful. Everything is beautiful. So I came out listening to the old Y Combinator uh, school of religion, I like to call them. Right? I came out with a scrappy looking, but highly product that does a lot of things people were immediately put off because it is not looking good I just realized in Dubai everything has to look good right so I think um, I think it's important to get a product out but which is still 
this is something that a lot of people talk right now. Not your MVP, but your MLP. Okay. Most loved product, right? And then kind of talk to customers and identify errors. Like we've got a follow-up on payment function like a lot of the other, this one. But in that, I made a mistake. Just stupid, right? Think about it. I put my big logo. Ooh. So following up, Cam is following up on payment. But then they see Passy's big logo. <laughs> customers. But why are you putting... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. And then that is quite stupid from my side. So it's it's honestly about uh, I think getting it and oh, iterating it. Then that's something that the Y Combinators and all the startups say. I mean, all the startup school of thought say that. But they say that get something out basic. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that works in this region because people are so used to seeing. Really beautiful things. That's what. That's the. I, I said the exact same thing um, on the Sun Pit startups. You know the podcasts are run by Abhishek and Sundrake, and you know I launched the mobile application, and it was so hard for me to launch that mobile app because I was being the perfectionist that I am. I was like, I cannot launch this mobile app, and we spent money on it already, right? And my my genuine thinking was, I wouldn't have launched it, but James, the COO, yeah. is. Uh, He's very aligned to the Y Combinator way of thinking and stuff like that. He said something to me that just stuck with me and then just made me pull the trigger on the mobile app. It said, uh, if you're not embarrassed by your first launch, it was too late. I was so embarrassed by that mobile app. I was like, you know what? Let's launch it and understand the, the feedback and stuff. But I genuinely think now, if <laughs> you launch the new app, the bar is being set so low with the old app that anything is going to exceed it, right? But I do think that this is... See, a- you've got a great product, right? You guys yeah. have a great... I mean, you have, you, you've got proper differentiation. Mm-hmm. In spite of me saying, you know, we don't need to focus. You've got a differentiation, but the mobile app, right? I honestly don't know what it did. <laughs> it did nothing. <laughs> it did nothing, right? It was a repository to find people, but the interface was clunky. It was and uh, I still remember sending messages to a couple of people on that. Nobody ever responded. And I don't know. He's on it. <laughs> on it, right? Not even I'm using it. The founder of the of the yeah. Business. So, um, like you said, so building out, sitting with founders, getting those uh, feedback, and th- there's there's nothing. I mean, that's the way to go. We've got to agree with the Y Combinator. This thing on it. The only yeah. thing is that we've got to remember in this place, it has got to look good. I agree. It may not have all that features that you were planning to do. I mean, in Passy's, in spite of me doing one version, which is a completely different thing, right? And then coming with a new version, I'm still at step zero. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to call the earlier one minus one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I'll call my after minus 10. <laughs> so the minus one yeah. and zero. And then I, I, I think um, there's a lot more confidence in terms of so now the trick is we are we also understood what people are willing to pay. Mm-hmm. So I had a certain expectation in terms of what people would pay, and then I remember telling somebody, "Yeah, but I've built a Rolls Royce," and then somebody told me, "Yeah, but I don't need the Rolls Royce." <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I do think you're right, and, the, and just to end the point that I was talking about, it's the expectation in this market. I think if I was in a village in Wales and I dropped that mobile application, you could send some dodgy message like the. The technology infrastructure was terrible, but the message might send you can find some cool people in the club. It might do, right? 
it'll work for a certain amount of time and the drop-off would probably be a lot further into the future. But in Dubai, the expectation, your customer base, the expectation is very, very high because there's, again, it goes back to the point about the micro nano businesses. There's so many people trying to do so many different things. And it's very unlikely, regardless of what business you're in, despite you thinking potentially that is an amazing product, it's an amazing business, there is likely two or three people either doing it or kind of a, a five to ten people building the same thing. Sure. And that's exactly where I found myself with YP Club and the competition. And, you know, obviously you'll yeah. have to feel the same. And yeah, but if I got... I mean, you, you do have a differentiator product. I, yeah. I mean, I, I have to say that. I it's appreciate like, that. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's not like... Um, See, what I wanted to get to that is that yeah. not everybody lands at a differentiated product. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just land at a product that you thought was differentiated, but there are 10 other people building it. Mm -hmm. It's okay. As long as all of you are in, you know, let's, let's go back to our uh, big four days. As long as your MB, I mean, NBP, right? Net, <laughs> this thing is good enough. It's yeah. good enough for you to go after, right? Yeah. So I think, yes, scale is the net aim. But then there is, there is that second place available, which isn't so bad. Yeah, yeah. We'll, nobody we'll would for first though. <laughs> yeah, nobody would remember Neil Armstrong. I mean, you know Aldrin. Yeah, yeah. But then, he did don't well. kill yourself. He yeah. did well, right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. We go for being Neil Armstrong, right? Mm -hmm. But then, your Buzz Aldrin. I mean, your Aldrin and your Colin. The, yeah. I think his name is Colin, the third person, right? I only know Neil Armstrong. Yeah, precisely. Right. Testament to what you're saying. Yeah, so that's exactly that. that's where we we are going for. That's where we want to be. But then, yeah. being this isn't bad. I think going for the differentiated product is quite difficult as well, especially doing what we do, right? Because you've experienced everything. It is hard because the product is essentially the experiences of the people in the room. So whereas if you have a tech product, you can really start to focus on the and different differentiating and stuff. But our our differentiation is the experience that you have on the people in the room, which is very difficult to curate. It's not like I tell my tech development team, can you code up somebody to come into this room and make it really cool, you know? Yeah. So it's 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 hard, bro. At least there's no bugs. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> now, so we've got our computer science guy behind us smiling, right? Because he he, he fully he fully understands. Yeah, he has like, oh. he gets it. Yeah, yeah. There's no bugs. You don't have something breaking overnight, and then you're like, oh my good lord. Oh, you say that though, like, but we've had stuff with our website. The payment processes will fail, and we we were using Stripe, and no, your payment process failed the last time I tried to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if you follow the story with the technology that we put in. The I licensed some software basically from the states to go to market really quickly. Exactly the same thing I did last year with uh, Passing. Terrible. Nothing works. No thing works. Licensing low code. These are great because we listen to the whole Y Combinator yeah, story. Yeah. Go to market quickly get but first thing it's never quick <laughs> yeah yeah it slows you down and it slows so you down and then you can't imagine for your brand yeah it is it, it is it that's is the, and then the there's no ip that belongs to you yeah we i remember this one of the first conversations that we had because i was in the middle of yeah. um signing the contract from a new yeah, 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 yeah and we uh i don't think we mentioned the companies yeah. that we were talking about just in case they we know they're heavily funded so they're heavily heavily funded so they might come for come for us but um i definitely think this is interesting with with finding a company and right at the beginning you want to go to market quickly so you go for a really cheap option and then iterate but i do think you have to be very careful and if you don't own the source code the situation that we got ourselves into is it looked good in the face of it 
but it damaged our website, it damaged our brand, it damaged the user experience. And if we wanted to ever scale, we would find ourselves in a position where the technology wasn't scalable, you know, and we never owned the source code. Something- you never owned the source code. That's something that, I mean, they tell you you own the source code, but you don't really own the source code. You don't. You don't. <laughs> and then if you ever wanted to exit the company, there actually isn't necessarily a business there. You know, that's, that's the way that I looked at after our, our conversation. I had a conversation with a few of the founders. If a VC angel investor, whatever, whatever exit strategy that you have and ask to look at your operating model, I would show them what we have now. And they would say a lot of your technology and infrastructure is based on licensing this software from America. So you genuinely don't really have a business because you're too, your business is risky because they could just take that away at any given time. And that was really the, the trigger moment in my mind to say, actually, I need to flip this on its head and get a team to build everything so I own the source code. Um, but I, I would I want to... So I went through the same journey myself. So it took a lot of time, right? Mm. So what happens is I persisted with the other version a little bit more longer yeah. <laughs> in terms of... Um, but when I told them they're off, they immediately switched it off. Mm. It was over. It is not like it is available for a certain period of time and all of that, right? And, and it, it was a, um, and I had paying customers, even for the crazy version that I'd built last time around, which was, which was kind of, which I wanted to call like, you know, like the one ring to rule them all. <laughs> no, because what happens is- uh, It's not the name of the subscription package. <laughs> no, so what happens with, for the small businesses, right? You've got so many software, so many other, but there's nobody bringing them together. It is still in silos and, you know, because everybody's building awesome products on the side, but then your picture is uh, split between an Amazon store, a Stripe uh, payment gateway, uh, Zero software. So many plugins. And this thing, right? So that's what the previous one bought together. But then there was a problem. People didn't understand what it is, right? They're like, so that's why we, the new version just simplifies it. Simplifies it. We kind of say that leave the headache to us. That's what. Uh, what about the the struggles of building the right tech team? That it, as as a yeah, it it is a struggle. It is a struggle. I would say um, I'm not going to attempt another tech product again without a proper tech founder. But the problem with getting a tech founder is that. Now, you and I, right, we've been in the finance industry, right? And then, I mean, the finance management or advisory. There's no tech founders lying around there, right? And then, um, especially, I'm, I'm older to you. And then in the in those stages, they were no, you don't have a lot of tech founders, you know, coding guys as your friends, right? How do you meet organically, right? So there's a strong partnership there. Yeah, yeah. Right? You don't want to be in a position where you put up... Um, LinkedIn posting, searching for a CTO co-founder. I mean, how does that work is 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 the question. I've, so, I've been looking at this quite a lot and they said there's a massive shortage of potential CTOs and massive and like They're gold dust right. Yeah, now. just just trying to find a CTO is just impossible. It is, it is, it, it is impossible because I I've honestly been checking too. I've been I've been searching, I've had I've had I, I thought I had one free I mean as this Jan, because now, now we've understood that we can get customers. So I, I was confident enough to get a CTO, right? And then 
I had a good chat with somebody for five hours. I thought, and he's seen five good hours, right? Imagine. And we didn't plan. It was planned for 45 minutes. Mm. And then went to five hours. Haven't heard back from him. Just a bad offer. I don't know what it is, right? And then uh, I've got a habit that if you push and then he comes on board, you're kind of, you know. The relationship isn't starting. It, it, it isn't great. So that is a massive uh, thing. So that's why I'm building the new product to be simpler. Mm-hmm. Also, so you don't need the CTO, basically. I mean, so I'm never going to do with the market fit. It's just kind of going to see the show. Uh, while it it is it is a bit of both, I think. Like, yeah, um, which is, no, I mean, yeah. see, the, the the CTO bit is very complex. And were you prepared to give equity in return? Hundred percent, and a hundred percent of equity. No, no. I, said, <laughs> I mean, the way things are going, that's what they're expecting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so what, what, given that you've been kind of closer to that, what is the expectation of a CTO now? What, do, what, what are they looking for? Are, are they kind of coming on full time for twenty percent? Yeah. So that's the kind. But they're also looking for market uh, kind of salaries. So it's on that the equity as well. Yeah. So that's where the. Uh, because they have so many options today. They are in demand, right? So, because they are in demand. So, but then th- there's no skin in the game. They're not really putting money in. It's not kind of hurting them. Um, and uh, because there's so much in demand, easy for them to get back to a job also. So, I know a case of a startup that was doing fine. And then they were a couple of reversals. The, their CEO, who's essentially a tech guy. Yeah. Got himself a. This is in India. He got himself a hundred thousand dollar paying job in India, and he left. That's it. It's over. Well, he didn't deliver anything. Or what? No, no. He he got out of the team because they had some difficulty in raising funding. Okay. He just left because he got himself a a good job, and then uh, he immediately. Uh, I got out of it. I think that's a really important bit, the skin in the game and bringing someone in. And I've done so much research on this as well. Do you do you look at vesting schedules and stuff? Uh, is, that, is that something that... That is something that I've learned over a period of time. And then uh, that's something that now, initially, no, you know, when you start off, you're not really. But obviously, that we've got to, again, thank by Combinator. They introduced this to us, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, vesting this thing is uh, uh, really important. And uh, I'll take the case of the same CEO that we were mentioning about. He called me and he said, those guys are saying that I don't own anything in the firm because of vesting. And he he asked me that he's like, you know, somebody whose opinion I appreciate. Yeah. Right? Or I respect. And... Uh, what do you think? Is that the right thing to do? I said, yeah, that's absolutely the right thing to do. You're leaving them in a lurch, right? Well, so he left with no no uh, shares. Yeah. But then I know for a fact they're not, they're not going to be able to build without him too. So, um, so what's... what's uh, I think on the kind of the discussions that we had, your approach with co-founders and stuff, how important do you think... I think, uh, I think what I look essentially is... I need operations guys. I'm more on, maybe it's a consultant in me that it just didn't teach me the operation skills. So I'm able to go visualize, set it up, see if it works, and then move on. I'm just not able to... The execution is... is uh, Not on the... The initial bit of the execution I'm happy to do. Okay. But let's just say you're supposed to have 
scrum meetings for the next one year every week, I end up not attending them. I'm I'm the exact same. I use this I use this analogy, and I don't know if you can resonate with it. It's like the, the business is like building a hotel, right? Where I thrive is putting the foundations in, getting people organizing what the hotel is going to look like, building the hotel, and then actually getting people into the hotel, which is like the sales and stuff. Is I I rather a team manage that, and then the operations of keeping the hotel running and everything around that. I I would rather a team, whereas my focus then would be building the next hotel and the foundations and building that. And that's the analogy that I use on my team quite a lot. And that's why Ben and James are really effective because James is really good at getting people into the hotel. And the sales isn't something that I really gravitate towards, although I do a lot of it now. Naturally, you have to, right? As a startup, yeah, yeah. you do everything. And then Ben is kind of the person marketing the hotel to you know make it look awesome and kind of get that FOMO feel and really understanding the psychology of the consumer. Already, I'm looking at building the next hotel, the next hotel, the next hotel, and and, and I don't know if that is our experience. So I would like to call us bots. Okay, tell you what bots is. Yeah, okay. build, operate, transform. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, taking a tech yeah. term to this, right? So we're like bots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we build, you know, operate it to ensure that it just works, right? It's not really operating, and we then we transfer because. We're just terrible at this. And I think it's the training that we've had mm-hmm. in our professional lives, right? We don't do those um, those calls to ensure that, you know, the this is sorted every day, the operations thing where you go like, okay, has the stocks been replenished? What's yeah. the takeoff? And then, you know, that's a different set of skill. And then yeah. uh, if you don't have it, you can't, you can't naturally, you can't, I don't think that's something that you can, I'm not, I'm not very sure of both those skills, you know, com, you know, I think it should be within one person. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, it's certain percentage of somebody would have the bill skill at 70 and maybe the operate skill. At, I don't know what it is, right? At whatever percentages, I don't think there would be anybody at 50, 50. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I did. Um, I, I like to do these psychometric tests. Some people don't like them. They don't believe in the output and stuff. I still like to do them and, and assess what, what, what information they're giving me. There's this one called the GC index. Have you heard of it? You did mention, but yeah, I haven't. Yeah. You'd ask me to take it. Yeah. I, I think you should definitely take it. And, and I encourage, I, I should ask my team to take it actually, because it'd be really good to understand where they're plotted against it. But just for those listening and haven't heard about it, it's, um, it's effectively the game changer index. And it, it was developed by Orange, the telecommunications company. Mm. I, I, I'll miss. They've got a fancy uh, consultancy. That's why. Oh, they got. A, yeah. What an, an arm. Orange. Yeah, Orange Consultancy. There is. There's a. There's a yeah. unit. Yeah. Well, maybe this was when it started then, and like it kind of grew out of this because yeah. they started this in 2005, and um, they were basically looking for people that are just idea generators. So idea generators tend to think about the long term future and how there's opportunity and stuff, but not necessarily the execution and stuff. The, the GC index has five proclivities and you do like 60 to 70 questions and it maps you and gives you a score of one to 10 in each of the proclivities. And it essentially says in terms of your passions, how you're aligned to that, how much energy do you take from being in that proclivity? So you have game changer, which is obviously the, the thing that I was saying, the person yeah. thinking about the future the playmaker, the individual that brings all the things together, the polisher, the individual that takes something and that makes it perfect. Uh, then you have strategy. Obviously, everyone knows what strategy is. And then I think you have the... Do they? <laughs> I 
I hope so. Do they? Well, I, to think that I spent all my time, yeah. my life in strategy, with the output, this test was really interesting. And then you have the execution. So I think that I think they were the five things. I did the I did the task thinking, okay, I, I think I'll score really highly on execution and strategy because a lot of the time I have been I strategize a lot and think about all these things. And then the execution inevitably when you're a startup founder, your resources are limited. I can't just pay someone to come in and do the execution because I need to prove that there is a business there, right? This is a really good thing on execution by now. Yesterday, you know the email marketing Apollo, right? Yeah. So the guy who was doing this for me in my other business yeah. was just, just wasn't there. You know, he was on leave. And then I, I needed to link a new mailbox and give it to my marketing team. Okay. For the new, for Pashi, basically, right? And then I did it yesterday. It took me some time. But then I kind of bought the domain. Mm -hmm. I made the mailbox. I set up all the... DNS servers and everything. Yeah, like you said, you've got to execute, but is it something that you enjoy? Yeah, yeah. So um, it mapped me. Basically, I went into the the uh, assessment, uh, whatever the output was with this woman. Like, I think to do the GC index, you have to go through a specific training. You can't just do it like a lot of the other tasks because they have to explain to you the output. And she asked me before I went on and she said, uh, where do you think you'll score? Obviously, I thought I'd score highly in strategy because I spent my entire life doing strategy, or, you know, with 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 EY and then Alvarez. And then the assessment was really interesting. So game changer. So it's one to ten, right? And ten being the highest, and there's only like two percentages or whatever that will score ten within different proclivities. My GC, the game changer, one of the five proclivities was a full ten. Oh, my. Then I had um, polisher, which was a six, and everything else was a one. Yeah, and I was like, that was so interesting because strategy, I was one. doesn't mean that you're terrible. It just means that you just don't, you can't just continue to do it because you'll get tired. Because So it's what is strategy in, in your game changer index? Um, within, what what is it defined yeah. as? Yeah, 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 no, what is defined as? What is? I think the strategy is like overarching how are you going to bring everything together, right? Like these are the these are the different milestones that you'll need to reach. Whereas the, the game changer, how it's differentiated to strategy is the constant idea generation. Like, this is the next idea. This is the next hotel. These are the blinds in the next hotel. The next yeah, hotel yeah, is going to yeah. have this kind of door. That's where... I think I'm, I'm going to take this. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. But it's really interesting because she was like, you need to be very careful not to deviate too much into the strategy and the execution because that's not where you're going to have long-term success in terms of where you'll find your passion. And it's so interesting, like, thinking about it. I can sit at home and think about 10 different hotels how I customize all those hotels. I'm using the method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Business would be. Um, but then when I get into like the member management, sometimes it can be very tiring because all these inbounds and trying to handle all these and then thinking about the execution and like the stock management example that you used. I'm on the calls and I'm like, I really just don't want to be here. I've got a hotel to build. <laughs> but it's just understanding your, your skill set, I think is important. Yeah. I come from a family of doctors, all right? Yeah. So everybody's a doctor. Yeah. And nobody's worked in the corporate world. So there's nobody to ask, right? So I came in one entire year. I did not file expenses because I did not know that you could file expenses. Okay. So there was... Uh, that was deliberate training from UI. No, no. Very I mean, strategic from them. <laughs> at least, um, I mean, now 
you know, there's a lot more focus on induction and training and all of that. I mean, those earlier days, I think that was missing. And then there wasn't, um, um, there wasn't many people I could turn to. And, um, I've had an embarrassing incident where I turned up in a green shirt. I think like a, like a, you know, a way more embarrassing story. Right? So you know, right. How we keep, <laughs> how we keep our shirts to your, uh, powder pink, baby blue, and yeah, white. Yeah, right? Yeah. This is it. We, we don't do more than these three kind of. We used to have uh, our Friday meetings, and um, this I turned up in a suit with the light green shirt inside, and then I thought that's horrendous. It is horrendous. when you know you don't belong in the corporate world. Yeah, that was horrendous, and then I, I quickly learned and <laughs> to become the, the same as everyone else around that affects your personality, but. One of the things that we used to have on, a, I think it was a, a Thursday, we actually had this meeting, we'd have a team meeting in the boardroom and the partner of my team would go around every single person, what they were wearing, and he'd either classify your outfit as a Monday to Thursday or a Friday. So Monday to Thursday was more like formal and Friday was slightly relaxed. He had very high standards. It was my second week on the job. This isn't my embarrassing story, but I'll get to that because it's very bad. Uh, and he called me out for having brown shoes with gray trousers. He completely disagreed with it. And uh, I'll never forget, I never wore brown shoes again. I've never worn brown shoes again. Is it? With, with, but I thought that's, that's quite popular. But yeah, but he, 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 he early days, it. early days, it was discouraged. Yeah, everything because, and it goes back to like this personality thing, right? Even the way you dress, the way you talk, and just everything you do is very aligned to the EUI way of life. So what happens is that everybody ends up getting a Mont Blanc pen, right? <laughs> everything. So I, I remember having a plastic pen once in my, I was not there, you know, and then I remember one of the seniors coming and say, if you have a pen, yeah. it has to be a nice pen. <laughs> don't, don't put a pen in. Was, and so, yes, there's a, but you know what tech has done? It's done a really interesting bit. If you've noticed now, everybody is with a blazer mm. and a jeans. Your yeah. ties have gone, you know, so even the large consultancies have operated to I mean, have responded to, you know, the the FOMO uh, generated by the tech companies, right? And what's this growth? So they've they've tried in their own ways to lose the ties, and you know, throwing in your polo shirts inside with just blazer and you know, either with a blazer and and a oh, jeans, yeah. right? And so that that response is there. You can see now partners doing. You know, in some of the conclaves, that I think been, COVID was a was a big shift with COVID, that. and and I think the whole, you know, the how the the tech guys look. Mm. I think that's kind of it's it's a combination of both of that. I guess what, one piece of advice that you give someone in the corporate world that you know maybe they're struggling um, finding their way, and I think it can be quite difficult sometimes when you you maybe you you try conform too much to the way of life and the big four. And, uh, yeah, what, what kind of advice would you give there if someone is in that situation? I think, um, one thing people respond quickly is that, uh, you know, when there's a struggle is the frustration builds up and then you're like, I need to get out. I need to go build something of my own. It's, it, it need not be, you could shift a company, you could shift a location, you could, uh, uh, I would say it's not necessary that you need to fit in. I, I understand the pressure. Mm -hmm. Maybe wear your green shirts and then you would, some people would make fun of you, but I don't think it's the, you know, that whole rat race, every, every year promotion, 
it may be a little stupid to say that, but maybe if you lose a promotion in a year, it's okay. I mean, that's the only thing I would have to say because it, it is a really tough this thing that this. So what you need to, what I think a lot of them need to understand is that are they getting out just because they're frustrated with their job? Yeah. Or they are they getting out because they want to do something? There's two different things, right? Okay. And if you don't identify what's what, and that's you know that can cause some pain. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It goes back to that conversation we're having. I don't think we closed it off, but I one of the things that I do think is important is looking at whether or not you are inherently an entrepreneur or inherently you work better within a framework that already exists where you don't have to set up because I think a lot of people go into this world of uh, entrepreneurship and without the right skill set, they might not be exactly ready and the pain is going to cause you and potentially those around you is quite significant because you're not ready. I think at least a lot of the, a lot of, the corporate environment is not designed to teach you the set of broad skills mm -hmm. because now I interview people right from, let's say I've been recently interviewing for Bassies or bad couple of Capgemini guys who joined me and a guy from Oracle. They're very limited to their set of tasks, right? That's what they do day in and out. And then as an entrepreneur, some you, you probably have to do everything from designing a logo to deciding the font to checking email marketing to learning to build websites using Wix. So it doesn't, um, so if you don't enjoy like a very broad kind of uh, uh, this thing and you're quite happy with your, I would say that the answer is to be in the corporate world, right? And uh, I think it's Peter Thiel's book on zero to one. I think it's called zero to one, right? And then where he mentions that, uh, it's not necessary to make a difference that you need to get out and start something of your own. You could be an important cog in something large. Right? Let's say you, you're somebody who was part of the team that built Gmail. You're making a lot, lot more difference. Or Google search, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those tools, right? Google Maps. Yeah, yeah, all that. Your need to make a difference, your ability to make a difference is a lot, lot more than any of us as entrepreneurs would do. <laughs> so, that impact necessarily need not be that uh, it that you have to be an entrepreneur to make impact. Do, do you think sometimes it's ego that that, that kind of differentiates the two things that can be? Because I can I see your point of view. Whereas working in the, in a cog is you're contributing quite significantly to the project, but you might not get the recognition and credibility from that. But then I I do think sometimes it's something I'm mindful of with ego. It's like uh, it can it can make you deviate away from potentially the the road that's the right road for you, a way where you definitely, can have a good impact. Definitely, I mean, uh, sometimes you've got to ask, do I need that office? Am I doing this office because uh, I need people to see it? Am I doing this? Am I doing certain things because I want people to get an impression about me? And and all of us are. And especially when you get out of a job, right? There's a friend of mine who got out of being one of those FMCG products. Uh, they have a vertical and then he was the head of the entire vertical for EMEA. And then he got out and he said, the biggest problem that you will have, I mean, this is quite early. I mean, now entrepreneurship is quite hot. So 
is that when you introduce yourself, let's say earlier you could just introduce yourself saying that I'm a vice president at HSBC. There's, there's no need to explain further that once you get out, you've got to explain the CEO YP club. Okay, so what does YP club do? <laughs> we are a members club. Okay, so then what does the members club do? It, it is It is constant selling, explaining kind of other things. So suddenly you go from like a tag that is well-defined to something that's not well-defined and then you've got to explain. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is uh, something that a lot of people may not think. They may not think that you've got to go from selling thousands of dollars of enterprise software to maybe a couple hundred dollars of yeah. what you've built, right? And uh, so I think that's something that people are mindful of, especially people who've been in the corporate environment, who've been, who've had good, decent careers there. The amounts that we see, like compared to the transaction value that when you have your own business is, is yeah, isn't well. It is, it is, uh, you know, it, it is, it is something that would get getting used to it would take time to get used to that and then uh, like let's say you're working for a bank yeah. why do you go? Uh, imagine the the millions and billions that yeah, yeah, go through yeah. the reserves and stuff that they need to hold is, is in the billions yeah um we, we like to wrap up the podcast obviously with it being yp club to just understand your experience and you know uh, whatever what, have you met anybody or what's I remember the first time that we met, I, I, I remember you mentioned specific reasons for why you joined, which was very much aligned to why I started it. Okay. Uh, um, so I am uh, an introvert by nature. I know some of the cameramen are laughing when I, <laughs> I say that, right? And uh, and uh, I don't really like to get out and I hate selling. And then some of the organizations here are built on a very structured, there's nothing wrong in it. They're not very structured, this thing that you get out, you sell, you, uh, there's a focus on selling, there's a focus on, I mean, with YP, the whole, this thing is that, you got a group of young professionals who are getting together, you know, sharing interests, uh, you know, sharing ideas, and then, while, you're trying to bring a certain structure to it. It's not necessarily leading to a certain aim. And that's something that I found interesting. And then being a lot of the clubs are either, a lot of them are entrepreneur driven. So then if it's an entrepreneur driven club, it's a very, you know, or startup, entrepreneur or startup, right? So since you've got a good mix of both, yeah. I think the, the conversations are varied. The conversations are more interesting. I mean, that's personally been my view. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure if that's the the reason that you created it, but that's been my experience. It's an, it's an open platform, honestly. I just, yeah, it's and just um, it's a, yeah, and, I, and since, like I said, let let's say if it's a startup community, right? It it is it, it goes like this, right? You've got events teaching skills. You've got pitching competitions. You've got funding fundamentals. You've got pitching to VCs. Uh, it's it's kind of that. So you've got yeah. a lot of people here that who are on good jobs, good careers, so who are coming there, who have their own perspective, you know, working in great companies, doing great jobs, meeting them, you know, talking to them, it's also a good experience by itself. 
Yeah, I think that's interesting because, uh, like I said, I'm creating the Young Leader program, which is uh, a lot of stuff that you're pointing to on the on the visualization board here about like the thing which doesn't, yeah, yeah, a lot of those things we will be working on. But I do think there is merit in bringing founders and professionals into a room. Parabas, when you validated that they're of a certain caliber. And that is one of the things that we do, but like, obviously you'll, you'll know it's so relaxed compared to a lot of other, other communities. I mean, right? being relaxed, like, like I said, right. Being an introvert, uh, getting into a relaxed environment mm -hmm. was supreme for me. And I, I, I think that was, uh, what it was. And, you know, I don't want to get into another pitching meeting or another uh, kind of other uh, thing. So yes, not having a clear clear agenda there but so I, I resonated with what you're trying to do it's been a, an incredibly interesting conversation as i knew it would be uh we've touched on a, a number of different topics and it's good to see that you've enjoyed your time at the yp club uh even though you said that you were an introvert i think you've come here with a big personality i'm surprised that you said that you were an introvert given like everything but um it's amazing to speak to you and uh hopefully see you at an event soon pleasure thank you